Well, well, Walter, it's been a while, but we are back again with another episode of The Horus with your host, Kevin. And Walter. Wait <laughs> <laughs> me that time, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I switched it up on you this week. Set me up for failure. <laughs> well, I set, I set myself up for it because I said your name. Um, you said my name and then you didn't give me my cue. Oh, oh you have made an enemy this day. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's very hot here. Tensions are high in my house. I don't know how hot it is uh, in where you are, but it got up to 110 today, and that should be illegal. It, it is absurd for the Pacific Northwest to be this hot. It was like 70 today. Um, oh fuck your face! I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, I'm not, I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to talk movies with you. I would. We only have one AC unit in our house, and it's in my son's room so he and i just spent all day in his nursery just hanging out trying not to die yeah i have a lot of friends that live there um yeah it sounds like it's been rough i'm also surprised at how many people i know live there that didn't have ac units until like they're like oh yeah you know we've had news about this heat wave for like a week but uh, i waited to buy mine until you know the third day of the heat wave and i, I can't find an ac and it's just like oh yeah no you gotta be ready yeah, and I mean it. It it gets it got hot there when I lived there, but I mean yeah. I, I, nothing nothing like what you guys are getting now. But I mean, yeah, this is I think it's like record breaking bad. Nineties, uh, mid mid nineties, and I mean it doesn't because it's a city. You know, it absorbs yeah. all that heat. It doesn't cool down until like three a.m. after the sun goes down. So it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, it's rough. I, I feel for you. I've, I've not been trying to uh, brag to my PNW friends about the very nice moderate summer we're having here yeah that sounds so amazing i'm, I'm done recording in my basement because it's the only place where the heat has not found me yet i I, I appreciated that i recognize you in a basement instantly on yeah your webcam. right off the bat you've never been in my house <laughs> but you all you you saw me one without a shirt on and two in front of a shelf of board games and you're like oh he's in his basement that's that's where Walter dwells. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, where he spent down. As as we talked a little bit about off mic, you know, as a kid, my bedroom was in the basement. Uh, my entire childhood, uh, I don't think I've lived in a basement since then. No, I lived in a basement briefly uh, when I moved back up, and uh, I'm just a basement dweller. I just yes. I recognize a basement when I see a basement. So, <laughs> have you ever really escaped the basement? It's not, I think you're still there in your heart. It's yeah. I mean, it's those nine foot ceilings that really give away. It's a basement. <laughs> oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. It is a little taller in here. But so this week uh, we're talking about St. Maud, St. Maud, 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 I think. Maud. Okay. 2019 British film directed by Rose Glass. I think this is her directorial debut. Yes. I think she wrote and directed it's her debut. I didn't know she wrote it. I saw that she directed it. Yeah. I saw a lot of comments about this being a debut for her. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, this movie seemed to be, it seemed to go down really well with critics. It seemed like critics really enjoyed this. Yeah, I think it got really, really good reviews. Should we do a summary of it or a, a plot synopsis? We, we've been skipping those last two times. Yeah, I guess we, we could get to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think we, I think we do it as we kind of cover the film anyways. Yeah. Um, spoilers for this movie it is it is a recent one and we're going to spoil the hell out of it uh, I, I'm going to recommend it at the top I think it was pretty solid I will recommend it 
I have complaints that we can get into yeah. later on about uh, it, but I, I not think a slam that, dunk, but enjoyable. Yeah, I think for being a a movie that I mean, it, I don't even see a budget published for it. So I mean, the, the oh, budget's low. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think this is all technically public funding because it's through British Film Institute. Yeah, they they pay their movie their movies with the lottery, I guess. Is it a lottery or a license for the TV? I, I don't I know. know. Honestly, I don't know. The, the British love licenses. If there's one thing yeah. they they love, it's bad teeth and licenses. <laughs> Taking the British to task. <laughs> well, you know, my opinion is after 1776, we should have sailed back and finished what we started. But <laughs> <laughs> Just gone back like, and another thing, King George. You know, they don't call it a yard or a lawn. They call it a garden. Oh, really? Yeah. Just, like, it's just, just grass is just called the garden? I had a British person get really mad at me this week because <clears throat> they, they posted a picture of their yard. Oh, is that why you're going railing against the British people? That is. Yeah. They posted a picture of their yard and I said, that's a nice yard. And they said, you boorish American. It's not a yard. It's a garden. I was like, oh, God, fuck off, dude. Okay. I mean, if that's what he said, then yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> I, I asked him if he had to pay a license for his yard. I was like, is there a yard license you got to pay for that? Because they do have to pay a TV license if you want to watch public television. And I think now you have to opt in to get pornography on your internet. You have to like call up your ISP and be like, hello, uh, please continue to allow me to view adult websites. What? Yeah. yeah, I know. What a weird country. That's, oh, but the beauty of porn on the internet is that like no one knows what I'm doing. Yeah. It's not illegal, guys. I'm not, <laughs> not looking up the weird stuff. Just but I'm also like, surprised you don't have to register butter knives there because I know they're very like, you know, yeah. no, no form of weapons. You know, they had a weird campaign about turning in knives. It was like, people are turning in kitchen knives. It's like, <laughs> this is your grandparents being like, oh, we can get rid of these shitty old knives. Can't we turn them down to the constable? <laughs> but anyways. First of all, uh, fla- no, flawless accent. I, love it. I wish you would do it through the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I don't think I can. I think it'll eventually slip into like a weird Australian Irish guy eventually. <laughs> and then you just fall asleep. <laughs> so, uh, man, this movie pulled me in with a really good establishing shot of Maude, mm-hmm. like yeah. in her shitty apartment uh, with like, you get a quick shot of a corpse on a table and then you see her sitting in the corner staring up at a cockroach i really like that establishing shot i thought that was really cool yeah i thought was, i thought she was in the hospital and that yeah so yeah you are right you are right okay yeah yeah and it's just like the first thing you see is like just unnerving right away yeah really absolutely. unnerving shot um the first complaint i will lodge about this movie oh, is the- <laughs> is this how we're doing this one like a a nice uh, thing and then coming in with the sour right after no i actually i think I didn't really have a lot of complaints other than I think it's always weird mm-hmm. in these movies that people like to depict Catholics as like these dour anti-fun having religion that they're like, yeah. Oh, we're, we're Catholics. We don't drink. We don't smoke. And it's like, no, that's Calvinists. Catholics <laughs> love to drink and smoke. <laughs> Their excuse is, well, I'm not drinking to excess. So it's okay with God. Oh, that's, and then, I mean, you can just repent all your sins and get it all washed away. <clears throat> buy, buy all those indulgences. That's right. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So second, second note I have on this one was this film feels like Protestant propaganda. <laughs> now, 
You did accuse me of, of such beforehand, and uh, I just want to say, come to the light, sinner. Uh, I'm pretty sure in the text I said Protcuck, not Protestant, but same thing. <laughs> you might have. Yeah, um, you, you asked me why I made you watch this, and I, I reminded you that you told me to uh, give my son a, a joint. So true. Yeah. And and I can see now there is no no repenting in your eyes, no no trace of guilt. I, I I really like the early parts of this movie though. I mean, you have the cool shots of Maud in the beginning. You get a little establishing of like her her lore, the lore of Maud. And mm-hmm. then the next character you get introduced to is Amanda, the yeah. chain smoking, drinking cancer patient, terminal cancer patient. I was like, hell yeah, Amanda, yeah. live that life. <laughs> I, yeah, if that's if that's how you're gonna go out, go out. Yeah, I I really like right before we meet Amanda, like the the other nurse is leaving and she asks uh, Maud asks how she is and she's the other nurse describes her as a bit of a cunt and then just leaves. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a great way to start a job. <laughs> <laughs> How's the boss? Ah, oh, it's it's gonna suck. I'm out of here. Bye. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, but yeah, I, I just thought it was cool. Like you get the scenes of Amanda, you know, mods narrating like, oh, my, my new patient's going to be a toughie. She's got terminal cancer. Her, her, her cells ain't too good, bruv. <laughs> and um, you just I see her just like, like Oliver Twist. <laughs> <laughs> you just see her chain smoking with, <laughs> with an overflowing ashtray. It's like, man, Amanda kind of rules. <laughs> And then Maud comes in and is like, oh, madam, you shouldn't be smoking so much. Um, and then we get these weird scenes of like Maud kind of confirming her faith. Like she takes down a picture in the room and hangs up a cross. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, you know, my first inclination that Maud may be taking Catholicism a little too seriously. Yeah. I think pretty early on we see her, I don't know what she drops on the floor, but like just something to put her knees on to make it painful to be on them and that's a dead giveaway like oh you're you're too into this this th- is too much i think it was popcorn oh it was just Pop- popcorn they're I mean, not seeds the popcorn corn oh the the kernels yeah yeah, yeah. kernels yeah not Which seeds i got i have bony knees i bet that would that would wreck my shit if i it- did that and that was another, I mean, I have a note around that scene that just says, why do movies always depict Catholics, Catholics as masochists? And I think, I think a, a big part of it is out of all the like kind of Christian faiths, I think Catholics really have like an iconic look that sticks out a lot more than if you try to just make her like a generic Protestant or a Calvinist, like I kind of made the joke about uh, at the start of this, because I, I don't know what Calvinists are into aside from no drinking, no smoking. And I think Calvinists believe that you're preordained to go to heaven or not. I can't remember. I think that's Calvinists. I like that it's preordained to go to heaven or not. It's one of the two. <laughs> like, well, I, yeah. The heaven I, or straight to hell. Yeah, I, I think that is Calvinist. It's like, oh, Walter was born lucky. He's going to go to heaven, but he, he's got to abstain from those sins during his life. Um, so, amazing. yeah. I, I think we also get a weird scene of Maud's jaw extending around this time too. I, I know we got a lot yeah. of those scenes where they depict her as demonic. Yeah. Unhinged, I, unwell. Like I, I don't know how to describe it other than they use some effects to like alter her appearance in a way that's like, like shocking. 
Yeah, like just slightly, just enough that it's it's off. For for a moment, it was like, did I see that? Was yep. that or there's like a camera angle or something? But yeah, I think like just a little bit to make you feel uncomfortable with it. I it's... I thought early on that this was gonna turn out to be a possession movie. And I was like, I have to apologize to Kevin for like two in a row. <laughs> like, and after you were like, yeah, the one thing that scares me is possession. Like, well, have I got a film for you? <laughs> no, and that's that's what I thought it was going to end up being as well was a possession movie. And like, I don't think I picked up that Maude was a unreliable narrator until like mm-hmm. 40 minutes into the movie. I yeah. was just like, maybe Maude's crazy. <laughs> I think they they dole out the information really well in this movie. Uh, Like it's because it it does seem like she's genuinely trying to help this woman. And uh, even though Amanda is so cool, like we, we want her to be more at peace with her going. For me, it wasn't until like she runs into an old coworker and she calls her by a different name. Katie. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is something, something's afoot here more than just, you know, kneeling on popcorn, but yeah, and I, I there was a scene where like I genuinely feel bad uh, for Maud when Amanda mocks her faith. Oh yeah, that was when I was that, like, oof, in front of part, everybody at a party. Oof, that part's brutal. Uh, uh, yeah, for that, a socially awkward guy my, like myself, like that's a worst case scenario for me to be like <laughs> mocked like that in front of everyone. Uh, and then you know to slap a uh, disabled woman in the face um yeah and another another scene that i have is when maude is spying on amanda and carol uh having relations we'll say yeah um that she looks so scary in that scene where she's like creeping through the door and she's kind of bathed in a soft red light and shadow mm-hmm. and man that scene was like very well shot very good scene yeah. I, I like uh, there's a lot of this movie that you're kind of that's uh, open interpretation like what's Maude thinking and I like they only kind of touch on like whether or not she's like condemning uh, them for doing that or if there is like a part, piece of her that's jealous of it that wants to be doing uh, wants to be part of that what at no point in this movie do we get any like Maude talking on the phone to her family friends yeah. she seems to have no real aspirations or anything in her life outside of like dogmatic faith yeah so yeah. i i do think that Maud is on some level like truly jealous that amanda who's dying like still is able to like maintain you know relations with other humans like she has friends she has people that care about her yeah yeah definitely i i i meant more like uh in particular like does she is she does she have like homosexual urges that kind of thing that I don't know. I, I think that she has urges to just be loved because I, you know, later on in the movie you we get right. yeah. we get the scenes of her spiraling out of control where she's like looking for anyone to pay attention to her. Yeah, you know, she. I, gives I think the, there's like one line where Amanda may, like thinks that she might be jealous, and and maybe I lash onto that one a little bit too much. But I think it. I think it's open to interpretation how she's mm-hmm. uh, or like what's what's really going on behind her. Well, I, I think that line in particular is why I wrote the note that Maude has no friends, no family, no career aspirations, comma, anything. So yeah. I, I think we both picked up on that line, but just pulled different things out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I is probably a good sign of a, a well-written uh, line or at least a scene of 
And I mean, another thing that let me, you know, clued me in that Rose Glass, like serious about uh, her writing and directing is all these small little twitches we get from Maude. Like these little hints that Maude is unhinged, you know, mentally unwell, uh, dropped in throughout the movie. And like the, you know, the weird little effects we got, uh, all of that really adds up. So like halfway through the movie, you're like, Maude's fucked. (laughs) She's she's gone. Hmm. But yeah, and I love that they... It like it's not clear like it could just be that mod is going insane or like there could be something going on outside of, like it could be a, it could still turn out to be a possession movie i thought like up until i was like it might still happen i don't know I well don't i mean know. they they kind of hinted that at the scene where amanda mocks her faith because then yeah. mod's like going to leave the room and you hear like the whispers of everybody and it's like is mod being driven insane because this is you know some you know quote-unquote proverbial house of sin that she's in you know is amanda like some evil spirit here to tempt Maud, like with smoking and drinking and you know uh homosexual relations like it, it sounds like it was a super worked for you <laughs> you would have walked in like hey ma- oh shit you're cool yeah exactly yeah. amanda she slaps on a wig she was kind of hot i'm not gonna lie she's a good looking lady yeah you're not wrong even even in the throes of death i was like yeah she could i could see her getting it <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like like I said, about halfway through the movie, you get this scene of also like uh, Ma doing pretty gratuitous self harm, yeah. discordant violin music. Uh, the camera angles are shifting and off and weird. I think this is when she's picking her scab after she burns her hand viciously. Oh, yeah, that part is, yeah, that part is rough. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you have Ma. You know, the next time we see her, the next scenes we get are her. You know, totally spun out of control. She's at a bar, mm-hmm. drinking, which again, Catholics fucking love drinking. Fucking <laughs> uh, love it. I, I don't think I've met a sober deacon. Um, but <laughs> were you were you raised Catholic? Yeah, yeah, I was raised Catholic. I, and I mean, I, it's, I was I was not, so it's not. Irish people are famously drunks and famously Catholic. That's, so I mean, I. I'm not going to say that, but if you're if you're taking that on, go right ahead. So we get these scenes of her spinning out of control uh, at a bar. She just gives a random dude a hand job. Yeah, like the most passionless-looking hand job of all time. And I mean, I think we're both on record as being anti-hand job. I think we're both just. Yeah. I can't imagine a back alley hand job doing it for me i, I don't even think was it a back alley i thought it was like the the side door at the bar it might have been yeah it was weird her like intensely looking him in the eyes it's just like... <laughs> and then she walks away and then he just like hey we gotta go <laughs> to his friend like we're leaving right now <laughs> i just a... came over there where i cannot be here anymore <laughs> Was it like that? I, I mean, it had to be bad if you're like grabbing your boys and you're just like, we got to leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to see well, her. I'm pretty sure I, I made eye contact with the bartender. We, we're going to get a <laughs> right uh, now. Well, and then, and then there's the weird scene of like her trying to eavesdrop in on a conversation with like some, what's suave for British people? I, I don't know. <laughs> some like suave dude chatting up another girl and she's like awkwardly sitting at the table next to him like making eyes and laughing and like they both looked over at her like okay <laughs> just just taking british people to task this this episode i love it i we do 
genuinely feel bad for Maud though. Like, you know, she spirals out of control. She meets the weird bearded dude who's Mm -hmm. like, takes her back and then rapes her. Yeah. It's that part is very hard to watch, but I feel like it also all plays into Maud's like obsession with pain. And she's like, Oh, don't waste the pain you're given. I feel like that is like a very trans transformative, transcendent, transformative. One of those two words seen for (laughs) Maud. One or both of those words, yeah. I think it's that's what kind of snaps her back into what ultimately is the wrong mindset to be in. Not a dangerous mindset. She snaps back into a mindset, not gorilla mindset, which is the mindset (laughs) we all want to obtain. No, I mean, she has like the violent convulsions on the floor. Oh, that's Uh, right. That that scene where she levitates. I I forgot about that. You get like a scene of like how dirty and disgusting her apartment is. Like with Mm -hmm. food crumbs on the floor, she's convulsing and it's dark and grungy. Yeah. And she cleans everything and like it, it, you're just like, maybe she's going to turn it around. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe she's realized that this obsession with God, not healthy. Not, not her. But then, you know, God talks to her directly. So that brings her right back <laughs> that was a creepy voice for god yeah i when i heard that, that i was like god that's for satan? sure satan <laughs> yes <laughs> that's like satan phoning it in like he's not even trying anymore <laughs> uh hey this is totally not satan <laughs> yeah. but god yeah god is my name yeah. he's got a quota to fill and like he's been doing it all day he's about to clock off and like, <laughs> fuck i gotta call mod too Hey Maud, uh, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> maybe, maybe go kill that lady. And I mean, yeah, I just that it's so cool how like it feels like we get these sprinkled in scenes of her being unhinged, or maybe she's an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe everything around her is actually evil. And then in, in the last thirty minutes of the movie, they just confirm it. They're like, oh no, yeah. Maud's totally, you know, lost it's, it. He is wrong. Yeah, I, I like that the. the like we've we from the beginning we've got this impression of Maud and like who she is now and then they're sort of like seeding in like these little pieces of who she used to be mm-hmm. and it seems like it's a different person like the way her coworker talks to her or the the guy who rapes her says like hey I remember you like I remember you being with my friend and my favorite moment of that is like uh, I don't think they ever address it but we can see that she has stretch marks on her stomach which I, th- I thought those were not stretch marks but um cuts oh maybe they were thought they were scars from cutting i thought based on the position kind of like on the lower stomach i thought they were stretch marks and it was like to imply that she had had a baby or either gave it up or no i think i think Maud's turn is hinted at by joy a little later on that Maud uh killed that killed a woman she's performing cpr on that's why during the sex scene oh, yeah. she's doing cpr on the guy and she crushes the sternum I think that was okay. to like hint at us that Maud made a mistake treating a patient and killed someone accidentally. Yeah, that's why she's I, not working at the hospital anymore as a nurse. Yeah, you you might be right. I I thought it was again thinking it was a stretch marks. I thought it was like she used to live a very kind of reckless and uh, well, I think, life where she got like pregnant and didn't want it kind of thing. I think that's what the dude hints at that she was like used to be a wild party girl. Yeah. And I think Joy hints at that as well with like, you know, she made a mistake at work and somebody died a result, a result of it. And my feeling of Joy is that Joy was a real, you know, angel. We're going to put air quotes for an angel. Mm-hmm. That Joy was like trying to redeem her at the end of the film by being like, hey, you know, 
mod seems like you're doing better. You know, I'm glad that you seem like you're okay. I'm here to talk. If you need someone to talk to, it felt like that was kind of the last, you know, life preserver being thrown out to mod is like, Hey, come back. Yeah. Stop. Stop being, I, when she goes over to that scene and uh, she like sees mods, a little Jesus shrine in the corner and she's like, oh, that's cool. I love that. There's <laughs> a little, little moment that was like, oh, this is nice. As if this that's not you. like the most terrifying fucking things. Like, oh, this is this is too many things you've got over here. Yeah, and I mean, she even makes like the comment like, oh, hey, like your apartment's kind of clean. Like it looks like you're like mentally stable. Yeah. That was what I picked up there. Is she was like, oh, you know, Ma, it looks like you're not depressed or like schizophrenic or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in that scene i noticed that uh mod had two different colored eyes was that throughout the movie or did that start i, I didn't i didn't notice that at all now i'm I gonna have to go back got and like I'm... one blue and one brown eye and i noticed it in that scene and i'm not sure now i want to go back oh, and check see heterochromia something like that um yeah and so yeah i was i'm very curious if like if i just didn't notice it or if it was intentional in that scene. I forgot to notice if it was throughout the rest. It's kind of darkly lit the rest of, them, of the movie. It was a little hard mm-hmm. to see, but yeah. I wonder if, like, if that was supposed to signify some change in her or if that was, like I said, there from the beginning. Um, I, I really don't remember, honestly. I, I'm going to have to go back and kind of watch some scenes from the earlier kind of mid part of the movie and see if I can catch that. So then the last scene that really sticks out to my mind is like just a beautifully shot scene uh, is when Maude is walking down the stairs after she puts on her kind of nun outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she puts on that dress she made out of a sheet, she's walking down the stairs. She's bathed in red light. There's the huge moon in the background. You know, she walks past a, a, a place of vice. She walks past a gaming den. Uh, I mean, I think we can both agree there's nothing uh, more evil than gamers, right? That's right. Those, those vile creatures. So those I just I dwelling freaks. Well, I thought it was cool because it, like it felt like a very modern take on like the you know what in the medieval time would have been like walking past like a brothel that has a gambling mm-hmm. hall attached onto it or something. Yeah, I guess that yeah. So that was just, that was the last scene that I like really noted as like a really cool technical scene that jumped out at me like, oh, this is visually appealing. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, to reveal a bit of my own ignorance here, when she walks by the Coney Island sign at the beginning, I spent a good half hour being like, is this movie set in New York? Why is everyone talking with an accent? I don't, I don't know if Coney Island is just like synonymous with like gaming or something well, gaming gambling. Yeah, because there's a Coney Island, England, which I looked up and felt very stupid about afterwards. But yeah, I don't. It's because yeah, it's the same thing. Or what I understand, I haven't been to either Coney Island. Walter, are you trying to say it. that our culture is directly impacted by the British? No, <laughs> that's not right. Because um, this is America. It took me a second. <laughs> it took me a second to think about that as well. Because you talked yeah. about like, oh, the shitty small towns. Like, wait, everyone's had a British accent. This has to be in the UK. Yeah. When the homeless guy like speaks with a British accent, I'm like, okay, something's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> like, so then, they make a decision to not try to pass this off as New York. And then like the last 15-ish minutes or so of the movie are just like really shocking, aggressive turn for the mm-hmm. film. 
uh, man, I love those last scenes with Amanda. Yeah. I, I don't know what you thought about those, but those were awesome. Yeah, that that really took me by surprise. And for a second, I was like, oh, is it real? Like, I, th- I thought for a moment right after, like, her, because she has the same distortion for the face kind of thing. I thought for a moment, it was like, we're going to find out, like, this was an actual test. Like, the, like have you ever seen uh, Frailty? Yeah. So, yeah, some of the spoil for that movie, but like how it kind of a huge spoil for the movie. But at the end, it kind of turns out like no, there was something to these signs. Like they were actually doing the right thing. I thought there was a moment where I thought, oh, this is the way this movie is going to go as well. Uh, and then it doesn't. She stabs that lady <laughs> to death, and it is brutal. That that but that scene is so like shocking and frightening because like you get these little hints with CGI in the film, like you know people are deformed for a brief second like these freaky images but that you know amanda being the devil seems like genuinely scary because like you don't really get a lot of actual horror throughout the movie you get a lot of unsettling images and like shocking situations but you don't see anything that's like actually horror in those i I think we don't we don't ever see anyone else but mod get like that distortion on her or that facial thing on her until it happens with Amanda and she's like talking to her directly yep. and stuff. And it's just like, it's the most uh, blunt and like uh, visible. It's me. It's me, mod Satan. You are so <laughs> yeah. easy to tempt. I was like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. was mod cool. actually sane this whole time? Yeah. <laughs> mod, I've been doing you dirty. I'm sorry. Uh, and then, yeah, I love the, I should say I love, but um, I was genuinely scared like during that scene the whole mod killing her and then realizing, you know, us, the audience realizing that Amanda wasn't possessed, that mod actually is, you know, this end scene really making sure we know that mods insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was just really good. Really, really good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that part. And then of course she goes home and uh, she sees angel wings on mm-hmm. her. Another, like they, they hold back a lot on their special effects but like they use it well to be like, and it, it, I mean, it didn't look like spectacular or anything, but just like that moment was like, oh, some like very dreamlike, very out of place with the rest of the movie and really gives us like, oh, she's she's gone. Like she's mm-hmm. killed someone already. That's rough. But like she's, she, but she believes that she did the right thing in doing it. Man, speaking of believing the right thing, the ending ending scene was yes. brutal. Brutal. I thought for sure this movie was just going to end with like the, the close up on her face looking all angelic and like the police lights like flashing through yeah, the Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like it, that's how she goes out. That's how she imagines it. But it slam cuts to just like the briefest moment of her burning alive and it is rough. Yeah. she So she goes to a beach and <clears> she <throat> pours uh, acetone on herself. And other people are like, oh, we got to stop her. What's going on? You know, this isn't, this isn't right. And then uh, she sets herself on fire and you see angel wings in the background when she's on fire. You know, you get like her perspective of her being on fire and rising to heaven. Yeah. And then it cuts to like the actual scene and it's just like her screaming and everyone else freaking out. Just an agony, black and red skin, just awful. Yeah. It is. It's like a half a second long, maybe a second. It's it's not a very long scene. It's not a very long shot. It's like just enough to like to shock you and to be like and give you a clear answer and like she was she was not correct like she was unwell mentally and now she is dying in agony 
it is uh, it was one of those scenes that like really kind of stuck with me after I watched it. Like, whoa, it comes at, it comes so fast at you, yeah. and the movie just ends. So my kind of overall thoughts on this is it's a good movie, especially when you remember that this is the first movie Rose has directed. Yeah, or I should say maybe the first feature length or. Yeah, probably. Out, out there, some cinephile screaming at his <laughs> at his phone as he's listening to this. Like, Kevin keeps using the word "scene" wrong. It's her first feature, <laughs> but uh, Rose did a really Rose Glass did a great job with this movie. Yeah. I I enjoyed it. I feel like it could have been forty five minutes. <laughs> I feel like this movie drags. Yeah. I, I mean, there are a couple times where I looked down at the time mark and I was like, "Fuck!" There's the forty five minutes of this. It is a little slow. I think there are some. Just, it is a very short movie. It's only like eighty-four minutes, yeah. but it does feel. I do feel like there's a little bit of fat that could be trimmed. I yeah. I, I think you probably could do a tell this story in an hour and not really lose much yeah. uh, from it. Um, but but I agree that I think like especially for a, a freshman feature like this, this was really well made, and uh, like when left me with. Uh, like a, a weird feeling and something that I like haven't experienced in a while. Something like that really like took me off guard and shocked me. Yeah. I mean, I fully agree with that, especially like, like we said, towards the end of the movie, I mean, after Maude kind of has her spinning out of control scene, you get like the scenes of her floating, her talking to, to devil God, uh, the murder scene, the burning scene, like really tough to watch the last, yeah. the back half of this film for sure. Yeah, it's it's a slow build up, but then it's one of those like really like turns the knife kind of uh, makes you uncomfortable with the ending, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of movies that uh, <laughs> a bit slow, a bit of a yeah. knife turner, a bit of a yeah. yeah. I can't segue this one. I'm trying. I'm trying Super to think. Of it. Real quick, um, how how do you think you'd fare against uh, Saint Maud? How, how far do you think you'd make it? She only killed one person. So against Saint Maud, or if I were Saint Maud, I get you know dealers or uh, yeah, your your choice. Against Saint Maud, I think I would have been if I were dying of cancer. I probably would have been true. a little more understanding of her being super religious in a hospice work and be like, yeah, this is a, a tough gig, Maud. You know, I appreciate yeah. you trying to comfort me in my last moments. Maybe yeah, tone I down, like maybe thing. tone down the religiosity a little bit. <laughs> like you I, can keep praying. I'm not gonna like yeah cut that down, but just but also hey, don't tell my girlfriend to not come by. That's, <laughs> that's way overstepping your bounds. Um, but if I were Saint Maud, I would have been seduced by Amanda right away. I'd be like <laughs> this seductive life of sinning. I can get behind this. Whatever God. Not kneeling on any fucking popcorn kernels anymore. Yeah, I would have been microwaving that bag. Forty of in each hand, smoking, <laughs> smoking the pack all day. Um, what about you? How how would you have done? Yeah, I I feel the same way. I I mean, Mod might have ended up murdering in the end, just because I feel like she was gonna end up there eventually anyway. But I definitely wouldn't have mocked her in front of a party full of people. I feel uh, I yeah, I feel like I would have. We could have found a middle ground. We, I could have tolerated her. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think I would be the one that like sent her over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> like whoever she goes to next, that's that's who's getting stabbed with a pair of scissors. Oh, yeah, she's just like super neutral. She's just like, well, I still believe in Jesus. Like, all right, well, I'm dying now, so <laughs> peace out. Uh, if I were Mott herself, uh, yeah, I mean, 
I feel like Amanda makes some pretty good points. She'd probably, she'd probably sway me back and just, I'd be so lonely and through everything else. Like, I want to hang out with Amanda. She's rad. Watch Event Horizon with her. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of a way to segue into the, right. the, the next topic, but I really can't can't yeah. think of a segue off of Amanda's so rad. Um, we'll just <laughs> what movie the... would you like to watch? <laughs> um, well, the movie I'd like to watch with Amanda and the movie we'll be talking about next time is The Ring, uh, the Japanese version. Maybe we can do a back-to-back Ring Japanese and American version, but I don't remember. I, I know I've seen the Japanese one, but I think I saw it in like 2005. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, I, I have never seen the Japanese version. I, I saw the American version and uh, hated it, but I was also like a teenager who thought everything was terrible. So I I'm I don't know how how I'll find this movie. We'll find out. Yeah. So that's that's my pick. Japanese version of The Ring. We've been on a big kick of foreign films. Yeah. We got like I like I said. I'll I'll crawl out of my own ass. I'll pick Teen Wolf Two or something. <laughs> over my dead body we're not gonna watch Teen Wolf 2 I was so excited for a second there I saw that half chub spine up on the body of the camera he put that red back down it is not gonna happen Uh, so dear listener if you want to see the movie before we uh, talk about it next time on the Horus we're gonna be watching the Japanese version of The Ring thanks for hanging out with us this was The Horus with Walter and Kevin pointing at me that time. <laughs>